create lasting change, inspire others, and make a difference. You have joined the Influencers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Donaldson, and each week you will hear from distinguished co-hosts and guests as they share insights into impacting our culture from your neighborhood to the nations. For this podcast, we're delighted to have my friend of over 30 years, Pastor Wendell Venson of Canyon Hills Church in Bakersfield, California, an amazing church. Uh, but Wendell is also the co-founder of CityServe International. Welcome, Wendell. Hey, Dave. It's good to be here. Thank you. And you and I have a very close friend, Todd Lamphere, with us here in studio. And Todd is the chief of staff to Paula White, uh, who is the senior advisor to President Trump for Faith and Opportunity Initiative. Welcome, Todd. It is good to be here, Dave. Wendell. Great to have and you. we had an, a, really a historic weekend in Bakersfield this past weekend. And part of that group, including the mayor of Bakersfield, Senator Shannon Grove, the minority leader for California, Representative Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader in the House of Representatives, Lynn Johnson, uh, who is over uh, the Administration for Children and Families, which is part of Health and Human Services, 60 programs, $54 billion, and uh, what a delight it was. And uh, Todd, share with us about what you experienced. Well, I have to tell you, what's happening in Bakersfield and Kern County is extraordinary. Uh, certainly is a city set on a hill, as the Bible would say, where you have uh, uh, churches like uh, Pastor Wendell's church uh, connecting together with uh, the government agencies, what CityServe is doing uh, as the catalyst, the hub, the glue, the bridge, if you will, that uh, takes all these resources and partnering with churches to be able to meet the very tangible needs of the community is really extraordinary. It's a model, I believe, for our country uh, to see. So good having you with us, Todd, this weekend. You and Lynn just was uh, just a God weekend. I could just feel people getting it, understanding, leaning in, uh, seeing their part really in what God's doing in our, in our country and in our communities. And you can see and actually listen uh, to uh, what happened this past weekend at the CityServe website, cityserve.us. Todd, you seem to wear a lot of hats, and we want you to describe your role with Paula White, who without a doubt is one of the most influential anointed leaders in America as it relates to engaging the faith community and partnering with government to make a difference. Uh, Pastor Paula White is an extraordinary woman of God uh, who is being used of God in a very, uh, very strong and powerful way uh, within this country and within this administration, particularly with the president and his family. Uh, I've worked with her for the past four and a half years. Uh, uh, I wear two hats. Uh, one is the pastor of Global Outreach for Paula White Ministries, and that's what I'd been doing with her. And then the president was elected in 2016, and and it's at that point that uh, uh, things began to change for us going to Washington to represent her, to be uh, the liaison for her uh, to the, our faith directors in each of our agencies. And 
just an honor to serve her. It's an honor to see uh, what uh, God is doing through her in this country. Todd, you served as a pastor for so many years. How did you get connected with Paula White, and why did you choose this path to help President Trump? Well, Wendell, we have been in ministry for uh, over 33 years, and uh, quite frankly, uh, I'm a Southern Baptist boy who is uh, called to serve a a charismatic, spirit-filled woman pastor. And uh, if you know those two denominations uh, uh, in past, they don't necessarily merge. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) But it did for us, and quite frankly, it came out of a time of just uh, hurt and a desert experience in my life, and she reached out to me, never met her, didn't know her. Only thing I knew about her was what I'd read uh, on the internet or uh, had seen headlines in the National Enquirer, right? But, <laughs> wow. uh, but she extended, uh, in a very difficult time in my life, uh, the hand of grace. Wow, and uh, 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 theology seems to melt a little bit uh, under, the, uh, under the, the umbrella of, of grace and love. And that's what she showed me. And so that's how this journey started. And, and again, from there... It's taken us to Washington and to be able to serve her as she serves the president in the White House. Beautiful. Wow. That's wonderful. Uh, Todd, let's talk for a moment about what's at stake. Uh, I worked in Washington, D.C. for over a decade. And the bottom line is that if the faith community, if we're not engaged, then it's like musical chairs. If we do not take our rightful and responsible place, that share will be taken by perhaps groups that do not share our moral biblical values. And so in your role of engaging the faith community and building these public-private partnerships, there is a ton at stake. Uh, talk with us about that. Well, not, not to be um, uh, overdramatic, but literally everything's at stake. Uh, there is such a pendulum swing uh, to an anti-biblical value platform uh, on uh, uh, one side of the tracks that if the people of God don't stand up and if they don't uh, have their voice heard, uh, the religious liberties that we uh, are experiencing right now, uh, not only here nationally, but but quite frankly, globally now with what the president has done at the UN and uh, with uh, Ambassador Brownback and all that's happening with uh, mm-hmm. Mike Pompeo, with State Department, uh, all of that uh, can be erased yeah. in one simple uh, voting cycle. And so everything's at stake. Uh, you know, I, 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 I look at Dave Isaiah 38. And uh, the, the story there is, is Hezekiah is really sick. Isaiah comes in and says, you know, you're going to die, get your house in order. And uh, Hezekiah calls out to God, and God grants him 15 more years. And, and, and God gives it to him. And during those 15 years, the king of Hezekiah comes by and uh, gives a, a get well gift uh, to him. And, and he opens up the, the house of God and all the treasures of God. And it's a thing that God did not want him to do. So Isaiah comes back to him and says, listen, why did you do that? And he says, well, I just wanted to show him all that was going on. And Isaiah says this in chapter 39. Isaiah says, what you have done is not good. Hmm. He says, you're going to live, but because of this, your heritage is going to be wiped away. That which your forefathers have done will be forgotten. 
your heritage, what you've worked for, what your father's fathers have worked for is going to be gone. And then he goes on to say this, and your children and your children's children will be taken into captivity. Mm. And then Isaiah says this, Pastor Wendell, that I think is just extraordinary. He says, what the word of the Lord has spoken is good. How could that be good? You're going to lose your heritage. You're going to lose the things that you once enjoyed, and your children are going to be taken into captivity. And, and Isaiah reveals his real heart here. He does. And he says this, because I will have peace in my lifetime. Wow. And Dave, we're at a point where we've just got to say, listen, I'm going to be okay uh, to have my my Twitter account banned, or I'm going to be okay to lose friends on Facebook. I'm going to be okay uh, with with standing up for biblical values because it doesn't need to be good in my lifetime. What we're fighting for are our children and our children's right. children. Yeah. My eight grandchildren, that's why I do what I do. That's, right. that's why I leave my family in Florida and go to Washington, D.C. every week. It's for my grandchildren to be able to experience what we all around this table have wow. experienced uh, for many, many decades. Wow, so sobering and so powerful. Wow, what a new. Todd, let's talk for a moment. There's this tug of war, and that's the elephant in the room right now in the both the faith-based and political circles. You, you absolutely, as a Christian, you know, love this president as it relates to his policies, his decision-making. Without a doubt, no president has taken a greater stand for the unborn than President Trump. The, the stands he's taken for our religious liberties, unbelievable. Uh, there's no better friend in the Oval Office for Israel than President Trump. But at the same time, a lot of Christians have a, have a challenge with the person. You know, the, the, the language, some would say that he stretches the truth. Help us kind of navigate that. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it's one of the questions that's asked all the time. You know, how do you, how do you get him to stop doing some of the things he does? Well, I would say this to, to, to Christians particularly. There's times you've got to be able to separate personality from policy. Um, you may not like his personality. We did hire a New York businessman, right? Uh, not a politician, so he's not going to uh, be flowery in his words. He may say some things, may trip up uh, in his, his verbiage sometimes. Uh, but we, we, we know what we hired. We hired a disruptor, okay? And, and quite frankly, uh, we've got to separate his personality from his policies because his po- policy is what changes uh, and affects our lives and uh, in, in affects our, our future in our country. Uh, you're right. No one has been more pro-life as a president than this president right here. Yeah. Uh, defunding Planned Parenthood, standing up yes. and calling abortion what it is, yes. murder. Yeah. Uh, what he's done for Israel, and uh, every president has said, we're going to move the embassy to Jerusalem, but there's only one president that actually yeah. did it. Well. Uh, he is making a... St- and we know what, what Genesis 12 says, that God will bless those that bless Israel. Uh, we get it. He gets it. He's done it. The religious liberties, you know, signing on May 3rd, 2018, the uh, the executive order for the Center for Faith and Opportunity Initiative, which brought the creation of, of, of these centers, these faith centers, to each of the government agencies. 
those are things that he's doing. The the EO uh, eradicating the the Johnson Amendment. Mm. I mean, we can just go on and yeah. on and on. The judicial appointments, one hundred eighty seven judicial appointments. I mean, that is his legacy. It is, yeah. and in what what he has done in our court system, uh, that ripple effect will be felt for a generation. Yes, it will. Wendell, as a pastor of a mega church, uh, but also a multi-multi-campus uh, church, uh, how do you navigate that? That's a good question. It's it's a challenge. It really is a challenge because uh, mega churches, large churches, are are uh, diverse demographically. They're diverse socioeconomically, uh, generationally. You know, and uh, all of those things weigh into it. I I just keep uh, lifting up the idea that God is not a Republican or a Democrat. So let's don't even make it about politics. Right. Let's talk about what the values of Scripture are. Sometimes Christians are no more for what we're against than what we're for. I think we should kind of turn the narrative where we're saying we're for life, yeah. right? We're for uh, families being restored. We're for people being set free from addiction. We're for religious liberty. That actually impacts everybody on both sides. So when we say, you know, God's not a Republican or a Democrat, and instead say, what are the values of God's Word, and who most closely aligns with those values? I think it comes down to that, and it makes it less political. I think you're spot on in that. You know, God has a platform. The Republican Party has a platform. The Democratic Party has a platform. And whichever platform best aligns itself with God's platform, no matter who it is, uh, that's who, as believers, we vote for because we're, we are voting for biblical values. Excellent. That's so true. How does, uh, Todd, the administration, um, how do you begin to unite a nation uh, and bring people together uh, from a, you know, a political position? How do you do that? It's probably the most difficult thing, I think, that's on the table right now, and how do you, how do you unify uh, a, uh, a country that is so divisive. Um, All the moral issues really have been politicized. So you can't really talk about, and in some people's minds, churches can't even talk about the moral issues because they've been so politicized, but that's really who we are. Well, we, and, and I think that's the lie, yeah. is, is that I can't talk about this as, as a church, when in reality you can, and not only should you or can you, you must. Uh, it's a biblical mandate for a pastor to rightly divide the Word of God. Now, biblical values in the Christian life is, uh, is countercultural to begin with. It's going to rub against the, the grain regardless. Um, as, as we stand for truth and righteousness, that's divisive in and of itself. And so when you have a president who truly is standing up, uh, whether he fully understands it or not, for biblical values, there is going to be a divisive nature to that. Mm. I think the key for pastors especially is to speak the truth in love. You know, to keep uh, truth forefront, but it's always wrapped in compassion. It's always wrapped in in, in grace. Yeah, that's so good. It's an interesting time uh, in our country, and I think about um, just the importance of God's people speaking up on the issues but doing it in the right way. And, you know, as a leader, I'm finding the need to kind of move beyond the personality of a leader, 
move beyond even the style of a leader and look at, uh, because anybody can talk a good talk, but look beyond all of that style, personality, those things that are more subjective and say what policies are actually coming out of an administration and what appointments are coming out of that administration to key positions in government and to justice positions and measure it more on outcomes rather than just tone uh, for that leader or uh, personality or style because a lot of it does come back to that, especially for you know this leader that's emerged out of the business culture. He hasn't been groomed in politics all of his life. He's been doing business. That's correct. You know, my, my, uh, my daddy used to say the proof of the pudding's in the tasting, you know, and, and making sure that, you know, you take a look at what he's done and that's the proof. And so uh, being able to separate personality and policy is, is really the wisdom that next needs to be exercised amongst the body of believers. Yeah. I think we need to understand also the gravity as it relates to pursuing uh, government funding uh, for faith-based programs. And unfortunately, many religious leaders, whether it be at the church or a nonprofit organization, we met with one yesterday, you know, that is not applying for any funds. Uh, they're afraid of government intrusion. Uh, they're afraid of losing their 501c3 non nonprofit status. And Ronald Reagan used to say, if you get in bed with the government, you'll never get a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. And so the faith community uh, is marginalized. Some of these agencies even discriminate against faith-based charities. And here's a tragedy. I served on the SAMHSA Commission. I was appointed by Tommy Thompson, former secretary for HHS. And part of our role was to review grant proposals and to appropriate millions of dollars. And within that huge pool of grants, such a small percentage were submitted by Christian evangelical organizations. And Todd, you know this as well as I do, Pastor Wendell knows this, that if we're not applying for these resources, we're not only uh, losing by default those funds to groups that do not share a more biblical values, but also people in need are not getting access to the best services. If Teen Challenge is not competing, then those funds could be going to a group that does not share a moral biblical values, and that might be you know, a, a shade yeah. of the success of Teen Challenge. So true. Here's the second thing. The largest referral system of social services to people in need, it's not the church, it's not charities, it's the government. Health and Human Services has a budget equivalent to the fifth largest country in the world. Wow. Think about that. Mm. If we are not competing, we are forfeiting our tax dollars that are going to groups, again, that we may not share their values. But number two, we are not part of the referral system of the poor to Christian charities. That's, that's right. Wow. Uh, look, uh, there was good reason in, in years past uh, for uh, faith-based organizations not to participate in the program because there were so many uh, limitations in, in, uh, placed on them. And, and quite frankly, you, you had to sell your soul almost, and you had to uh, really just walk away from your, your biblical base and your biblical values. Uh, well, there's a new sheriff in town, mm -hmm. and there's mm -hmm. a new system in many 
nonprofits and, and faith-based nonprofits just don't know that. Uh, they've, they stopped, they may have taken uh, and applied for grants under the Bush era, uh, but they've, they've, they've stopped doing it. Well, what we're saying is come back to the table, wow. you know, rejoin the family, because the money is going to go somewhere, it as will. you said, uh, Dave, uh, and it needs to. We know that if, it, if the money goes to a faith-based NGO, we know that they're going to do more with less. Yeah. We know that the accountability is going to be greater. We know that the money is going to be spent wiser. We know that. And when we talk about uh, the government being the greatest referral service, we now have an administration that has leveled the playing field for faith-based organizations to say, listen, you're as qualified, yeah. you've gone through all of the certification as, as anyone else, you're as qualified as anyone else, let's start sending those children to our faith-based uh, organizations. Well, we really appreciate you know, your desire to help faith-based groups, you know, apply and even qualify. Uh, I, when people ask me about pursuing government funds, I love quoting William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army. He said, the only problem with tainted money is a taint enough. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So we, we do. We need to go after it. Uh, Wendell and I uh, had the honor of attending the Evangelicals for Trump event and uh, I got to tell you, it was like a revival meeting. And it was so good to see tremendous leaders, influencers there like Steve Strang and, and, and many others. And uh, Wendell, uh, share just briefly, I mean, just what you thought about that event. And then, Todd, we'd like to hear about really the goal and plans for evangelicals for Trump. Well, you could really... Uh a sense in that event, um, a desire for people to lean into this president and to uh, engage in really seeing our country move beyond um, all of the, the rancor and the division and, uh, and to, to embolden Christians to really stand up and say, look, th these are the things we believe. And so it, w it was, it was very much like a church service at the beginning. Uh, and people, there was a sense of anticipation there. I think people do sense that there's some right things happening in the midst of a lot of challenging things. And there was optimism. There was hope for a better future. Uh, there was a desire there among, I would say, uh, the people of God that were there, the Christians that were there too, to say maybe it's time for us to re-engage and uh, maybe there is hope. I think Christians have felt a little helpless and hopeless as it relates to the political uh, realm. Uh, for a number of years here. So this was an interesting uh, uh, event, and it seemed like a powerful launch event for something that hopefully will become a movement. It really was a, a, a revival atmosphere. You have 40 minutes of praise and worship. president comes out. Uh, then he's prayed over by three different pastors and with a different... Uh, uh, denominations within the evangelical community. Uh, and, the, and this is a president that loves to be prayed over. Uh, yeah. He really does. You can feel that. And, uh, and he knows that he needs to be. But it is the time. And so the Evangelicals for Trump Coalition is launched really to engage the evangelical community. We know that we know that 81% of evangelicals uh, voted for uh, this president. Uh, but quite frankly, in 2016, we were voting against 
uh, something or someone more than we were necessarily voting for someone. Mm, yeah. uh, he made a lot of promises, uh, but now we're coming up to 2020. We see promises made, promises kept. So we can vote for him when we know that he has appointed the right judges. We know that he has stood up for uh, human life. We know that he has sided on the side of, uh, of Israel. So this really is just a coalition to say, listen, it's time for us to, for the body of Christ to stand up, to be counted, and to vote our biblical values. Yeah. It, that, that percentage is so amazing, 81%. The uh, Because I do get the feeling that they're, you know, you talk to so many evangelicals and they're, you know, they're there. They're, they're part of that 81%. But sometimes they're reluctant to say it because they feel like they might get beat down by someone. That's so, right. You know, it's an interesting time because I think people are having to be reminded, look, you, you can't express what you believe. If you believe it, don't be afraid to, to, to say it. Don't be afraid to stand up and say, look, I, I just agree with this president and, um, and let the kind of the chips fall where they may. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, say so. So. Yeah. so, Todd, let's conclude with evangelicals for Trump. If somebody would like to learn more about that, how they can participate, uh, talk to our listeners about how they can be involved in evangelicals for Trump. Uh, well, there is a, a web, website, uh, evangelicals for Trump, that uh, they can go to and and uh, and find out more information. Uh, but really, it, it, is, uh, it is about being uh, just engaged in the process and knowing that uh, that uh, whether it's on the local level or national level, uh, that the body of Christ needs to step up uh, spe- and speak up uh, for biblical values. Very good. Todd, one last thing. The immigration issue, is that's a big one for the church. And could you just touch base with us on the current status of what's taking place on the borders? Because that, that's a big issue. It's been a big issue in the news, been a big issue in the church. Uh, help us understand what's going on right now. And Todd, you have been there many times. You've been hosting leaders. You're leaving here uh, tomorrow to host another group of leaders. And that's so admirable, you know, for you to help people see it firsthand. Well, we have been on the border uh, many, many, many times and have seen uh, the behind the scenes been uh, where the quote unquote cages are. We've seen those uh, been the exact uh, cell that AOC said that they were uh, drinking out of toilets, and and uh, and we do take pastors on the we're taking about three hundred pastors to the border. Wow! Uh, uh, up to this point, uh, just to get a behind the scenes, uh, up close, pull back the curtain look. Uh, immigration uh, is a big issue. It's going to be uh, be a big issue in twenty twenty, and the administration will be rolling out a very positive plan. Uh, for immigration. Uh, but I'll say this, that uh, the president's immigration uh, policies uh, have been working. Uh, at its height, we were, uh, we, we were apprehending 144,000 at the border a month. Yeah. We did over 980,000 apprehensions this year alone on the border, which doubled the, the, the previous two years. Uh, it was it was just out of control, and the president put a plan in place, uh, uh, threatening tariffs on uh, Mexico, and and also uh, threatening to uh, uh, to withhold funding from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador if they did not uh, participate in this program. They all have, and then in coordination with his uh, MPP program, uh, 
it, it, it is, uh, it is uh, which is the Migrant uh, Protection Protocol Program on the border. Uh, we are now down 65% in our apprehensions from at its height in May and June. So it's working. And say, why is that important? Well, less people coming to the border means less people are being trafficked, less people are being harmed, le- uh, less women uh, are being abused yeah. sexually and physically uh, on the border. Uh, this plan that's in place is one that, that helps humanity. It's rough. The coyotes don't care about uh, any person. They just care about their money. And uh, they're going to make you get over the river any way they can. They don't care if you drown. They've already got their money. Yeah. The coyotes uh, uh, don't care. The cartel, they don't care. And so uh, I applaud our president yeah. for, for being bold enough to take the stands that he's taken. For sure. It's just it's a false argument, isn't it? It's people that are, are arguing against having any system or process by which we do immigration orderly are really, uh, it's, it's a disregard for human life and the safety. Of, a lot of these children coming over are really being used as tools uh, against, uh, you know, different laws and things. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a false argument. Well, and Wendell, the reason why these people are trying to get inside our borders is that they're fleeing countries that do not have rules. Yeah, so true. It's anarchy. Yeah. That's why they're risking lives, uh, limbs, uh, not only for them, but for their children. They're trying to get to a country that is not anarchy, that has rules, has walls. And, and so, Todd, uh, share with us kind of the long-term plans before we wrap this up. As it relates to immigration, uh, I would just simply say that it's uh, it's about uh, getting uh, Congress uh, to do what Congress needs to do. Mm. Uh, our, our systems and our laws are broken, and uh, they need to be fixed. Uh, as it relates to uh, as it relates to uh, the engagement within the political uh, uh, realm, uh, we've just got to, the, the body of believers need to understand they need to register to vote. Uh, they need to right. uh, get people uh, to the polls to vote uh, because there's a lot at stake, David, uh, in this election in 2020, a lot at stake. And uh, we, need to, we need to vote in not only the, the, uh, the right executive uh, office uh, person uh, for president, yeah. but we also have to vote in the House and the Senate. Yeah. And uh, at that local level, like the uh, like the Kevin McCarthy's yeah, that's right. and the Shannon Groves, we need to vote in people who hold to our biblical worldview. Yeah, so true. Thank you, Todd. Uh, Wendell and I really appreciate you being on the Influencers podcast here at Gold Pacific Studios in Newport Beach. I hope you enjoy listening to Influencers on the Charisma Podcast Network. Join us next week for another thought-provoking episode. And remember to use your influence to move people closer to Jesus.